What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Apparently in Japan, it's called Grandpa Carl's Flying House. Yeah, I like that better than us. <laughs> Welcome to Recotopia, a happy home for recommended movies, shows, and music from two people you can definitely trust. Trustability varies by region, no guarantee is implied. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Atkinson and Jeremy Scott. Shit, I'm like five minutes from being so far gone, you're not even going to be able to imagine the places I'm going, okay? You're going nowhere, because you got nothing. You know what I got. You just can't deal with the fact that I beat you. Oh, yeah? What have you got? Huh? What have you got? You know what I've got. Hello, everybody. It is... Ragadobia episode 38. I am. Yes, that's right. I am Chris Atkinson. And I am Jeremy Scott. And today's movie, today, today's big recommend is The Score mm. of 2001. Uh, and uh, we are once again speaking live to a studio audience Ooh. in Burbank, California. <laughs> uh, uh to uh people on twitch and youtube and uh thank you again once again for coming out and chatting while we sit here and discuss silly things like movies and and dinners and mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. you know just basic life things man mm -hmm. uh but uh anyway hey do you have any small recommends jeremy it's no big deal it's so small and light it's small it's tiny it's petite it's wee I got the small. Uh, I'm going to go with the movie uh, I had seen before, uh, maybe five, six years ago, um, and liked. And then it came on again this week, and I watched it. It's called Begin Again. Ooh, it's a I've never 2013 seen this. movie um, directed by John Carney, who made Sing Street, which is yep, a movie yep. that you have recommended to me that I have not mm -hmm. seen yet. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> Begin Again stars Keira Knightley and Mark Ruffalo. Um, Haley Steinfeld's in it as well, um, <clears throat> but not to a super great extent. Um, <clears throat> she plays Ruffalo's daughter, and they're kind of estranged. Um, <clears throat> and this movie, like Sing Street, is about music. Uh, he basically gets fired from his record exec job he co-founded with Most Def, and Most Def fires him and lets him go, and he goes to dive bars drinking and one night on an open mic here's Kira Knightley's character sing there's this really cool scene where he turns once he once he goes from realizing oh that might be a good song and actually paying attention to her he envisions all the instruments on the stage around her that aren't being used coming to life and playing with her and you can hear what he would produce the song as in the studio and where the instruments would come in and what riffs they would play. And she's just strumming a guitar and singing, but the song mm -hmm. 
ends up being this fully produced thing. And then at the very end, it all cuts out and it's just her doing the last line again. It's a really cool scene. Um, <clears throat> and so he takes her to the record label, but most stuff is like, oh, I don't see the potential. And then he convinces her to make their own album without a studio. And they just shoot live in New York outside with the sounds of New York and some of famous locations being an under track to all the songs they record. Um, <clears throat> and from there, I will leave you to it. It's charming. Um, the music's pretty good for a song or for a movie about songwriting. Um, mm -hmm. They have good chemistry. Um, they're not, they don't couple up together. They have good chemistry as a producer and songwriter. This is on mm -hmm. Showtime and it's on Hulu with a premium subscription because of the Showtime thing. Um, <clears throat> And uh, if you have Showtime or you want to rent that, I think you would enjoy it. It's called Begin Again. There you go. So that's my first small recommend. Yeah, yeah. I remember when this came out, it had uh, really good reviews. And uh, I want to see this. I definitely want to see this movie. I forgot that it existed. And I am glad that you brought this up. So <clears throat> yeah. I will eventually watch that. Um, yeah. uh, I got around to watching uh, on HBO the Nathan Fielder series, The Rehearsal oh my um and i'll tell you straight up right off the bat that this is the t this is usually not my bag i don't typically like when somebody this is this isn't a prank show but it has vibes of a prank show right mm. because there's people who are sort of not in on what's going on completely and it they they're taking all of this as real life and 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 uh you know i don't i i, just, I get uncomfortable with people being in a show uh where uh, someone else is doing a thing and it's reality and they have no clue you know that's why i never got into like those old prank shows like punked and stuff like that it's yeah. like everybody's like ha ha look at what an idiot that celebrity is for doing this stuff and it's like everybody would do that stuff if this yep. type of stuff happened it's not really fun at all for me but this this is a different kind of thing even though it's still uncomfortable i'm going to tell you right off jeremy you may not like this but <laughs> <laughs> there's enough of an art to this that i believe that you might find this fascinating okay all right now Nathan made a show called Nathan for you on comedy central where mm -hmm. he would take people's businesses and he would come up with an idea for that business that probably was going to be a colossal failure. And it was all for, for the jokes. And I think one of the first episodes was he, he found an ice cream parlor and he said, Let, let's make a poo flavor for your, uh, for your business or whatever. And and, you know, obviously you're not taking actual poo, but you're getting a, a lab to come up with a poo flavor for an ice cream. And, and so that was the thing. It was like, see what happens if you put this poo flavor in there and, you know, stuff like that for your businesses. Now, apparently before each one of these episodes, Nathan Fielder felt like he and his crew needed to rehearse all the possible outcomes of what could happen when they ask these businesses to do these type of things. Hmm. So from that idea, from that situation, he made this show, which is about rehearsing for real life situations. And the very first episode of the rehearsal is about 
a guy who has been going to this trivia night and we're very familiar with trivia nights. We used to go to mm -hmm. trivia night all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, uh, he goes to trivia night with this, basically this mixed company of people. And, uh, he's been, he told them a long time ago that he has two master's degrees and something like that. And it was a complete lie. And he's been living that lie uh, all of his life, even though probably nobody cares about his two master's degrees in this group or whatever. But he, it has been weighing on him and he wants to finally come out with the truth. So, so he, so Nathan Fielder gets an exact replica of this guy to rehearse stuff on him that he's going to go and do with the real guy oh my goodness <clears throat> and the real guy has to rehearse with friends who look just like the friends and act like the friends that he deals with on at the trivia night and they throw all the scenarios at him just so that he can get prepared for the big night and finally let the the big secret out and so the whole first episode is like is a is about this and and uh and, and, and by the end of it, it has a somewhat surprising turn to it. Uh, and then in the second episode, he's, he's finding this, uh, he, he's, uh, he wants to, there's a woman who wants to know what raising a child is like before she actually has a child. She's not even in a relationship or anything, but she just wants to know if it's, if, if, uh, what, uh, raising a child is like, so there's a whole rehearsal with like her at a house with this baby that they keep, they keep changing out with different ages all throughout the entire, the entire process. And, uh, there's all sorts of just like, she starts dating this guy that might possibly be a potential father. And she has to tell him, Hey, I'm on this show. And, uh, this is what's happening here. If you're okay with that, you can do this and blah, blah. <laughs> And, and so like, and there's so many just different levels to this rehearsal thing. Have you ever seen uh synecdoche, New, synecdoche, New York? No. <clears throat> I mean, I've uh, been the, to the city, but not the movie. <clears throat> well, well, you, you went through Schenectady or whatever. Yes. The, yes. This one's synecdoche, which is actually a word that means I can't, it, it, the definition is one of those weird things like a, one of those uh, anyway the movie is a charlie kaufman it's a charlie kaufman movie starring philip seymour hoffman where uh he wants to do this play and the play basically just takes on a life of its own and it's like there's a rehearsal every day but it's like he keeps adding things to it for realism and and it becomes where the play is actually these people's lives and oh. things like that and uh and it, it reminded me of that. But anyway, the rehearsal is just, I, it's such an interesting concept. I don't think you've seen anything truly like it, except for the one movie that I've been able to bring up. Right. And, and, uh, and it's just, it, it, I think you will know whether you want to see this or not after the first episode, but like the, the whole thing with the kids and they keep passing around, they keep changing out the kids and all this stuff. It's a, it gets crazy, man. That and sounds this crazy. is like the distance between reality and fiction is so crazy. So anyway. All right. That's intriguing. I will at least check out an episode to see. Mm -hmm. Um, because you're right, it does sound like it might be fascinating. Well, not necessarily hitting my entertainment sweet spot. Yeah, um, yeah, <sighs> yeah. It, it's uh it, 
Nathan Fielder, who is in on it, is going is looks like he seems like he's going through some learning things as well on hmm. this. Now, I don't know. A lot of that's one of the things about the show that is endlessly debated as to how much of his involvement is, you know, real, like, you know, or is he like just, you know, is everything just for the bit? You know, is this all for the bit? But yeah, anyway, hmm. it's a fascinating show. All right. All right, well, my second small recommend for this week, I'm going back to 1988, a movie I haven't seen since probably 1992, Mm. Um, a movie called Colors, starring Robert Duvall and Sean Penn. I haven't seen this in forever. Yeah, I hadn't either, and it's directed Mm. by Dennis Hopper. Yeah, Um, yeah. This movie also has uh, Don Cheadle in it, um, Damon Wayans, uh, Mario Lopez, Really young Mario Lopez. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie is pretty good. It holds up pretty well. Like, uh, <clears throat> I remember renting it in college and liking it. And that was about it. I was willing to watch anything a good actor like Duvall or Sean Penn would do. And I hadn't heard of it at the time when I found it at the video store. But this is about gang violence, the Crips and the Bloods in Los Angeles. Now, this is made in 1988. So Mm -hmm. you need to understand that some 1980s-ness exists in this movie. Plenty. Like a lot of the gang members look more like music video gang members than real gang members. (laughs) (laughs) A a lot of the dialogue uh, is heavily 80s. There's a lot of homie uh, Mm -hmm. being thrown Mm -hmm. around, which I know is a real word that gets used, but it's kind of excessively used in this Mm -hmm. movie. But basically Duvall is this older cop and his new partner is uh, Sean Penn and he's just a hothead. He wants to bust heads and stop crime at all costs. And Duvall, he's been doing this for years. He's got a relationship with people all throughout the community on his beat. People, People who were gang members who have then grown up to be adults, know him on a first name basis as he drives through. And so his approach to all of their stops is to de-escalate. And there's even one kid they stop with like a tiny little bit of marijuana or something. And um, Duvall lets him go and Sean Penn gets angry. He's like, we're supposed to stop crime. And and he's like, when you've been on the street as long as I have, you understand what crime is and what, you know, crime is not. And our job is to steer these kids any way we can away from the gangs, even if that's to go smoke a joint. Um, <clears throat> they butt heads and clash. He tries to date uh, Maria Conchita Alonso, yep. uh, but she also does not really enjoy his mad as hell persona. He gets a reputation in the community uh, as Pac-Man, uh, which is negative because uh, he wrecks one car, and then they have to drive around in this bright yellow car. But people mm-hmm. know him from miles away and, and, and don't want anything to do with him. Uh, and then there's a climax and stuff happens, um, yada, yada, yada. By the end of the movie, we've jumped ahead, and Sean Penn is the older, wiser cop who wants to play the long game. And he's got a hothead, brash young partner who just wants to bust heads. Uh, and we've come full circle. And I didn't spoil anything in that. Uh, mm. I think you would still enjoy the ride. Uh, that is on HBO Max, if you want to check it out. Um, Colors, 1988. That's my second recommend. Man, this is this late 80s Sean Penn is 
is just unhinged, man. Uh, he is yep. in a lot of really intense roles. I don't know if it's because he just gravitated towards it or if this is what all he was getting, but remember around this time he's getting like casualties of war, which yep. is really, really intense in that. And, uh, the, the, the pre Will Smith, Martin Lawrence, bad boys that he's in, in that time yeah. too. I mean, God, he's in so many of these like really intense, intense, uh, things and he's super super sean penny in this one. Oh yeah uh, <clears throat> uh so yeah he's going on a run during this late 80s period um all right uh complete left turn uh as i go uh to, to a completely movieless um recommend uh mm-hmm. episode um uh i'm gonna recommend for you sports fans out there and i guess technically you american sports fans or people who uh, overseas who love your american sports um uh the youtube channel secret base um, uh and uh, i'm not even sure if that picture is the right thing but maybe it is and i'm sorry aaron if i <laughs> if, I'm, if i'm if i'm uh if i'm saying that uh, out of turn there but uh secret base the the youtube uh, the youtube uh icon is a like a home plate um but uh they have a uh, they have a whole bunch of series on uh, sports figures and plays that you know, like famous plays from from baseball and football, that they tell a whole story about how we got to this point. And, uh, you know, so it, they tell you this really entertaining story about all these famous things. But the one thing that made me want to recommend Secret Base is they did a four-part series on a on a pitcher that I knew of in the 80s, but I, I did not care one bit about. Uh, he played for the Toronto Blue Jays. His name's Dave Steed. And when you grow up as a kid in the 80s and the way baseball was talked about back in those days, Dave Steed wouldn't have hit your radar because he didn't win a lot of games. And as we know, pitching, pitching wins really depend on whether your team, uh, scores runs for you. Uh, and, uh, and I think a lot of times people, um, uh, they would equate like number of wins as to a great pitcher. And then, but they, they did a whole, those four parts. I mean, it's like a, it's maybe two and a half hours worth of Dave Steve. And you're like, no way could this be entertaining, but <laughs> they, they talk about how this guy came out of, came from nowhere. Basically he wasn't, he wasn't uh, groomed to be a pitcher pitcher at all. Um, and they just said, Hey, why don't you start pitching? This is when the Toronto blue Jays were just expanding into the league, 1977. Uh, they said, why don't you try pitching? So he tried pitching and he was good at it and he got in, he got called to the majors pretty quickly and he was really good at it, like almost immediately. And they go through all this stuff that he's going through where he's basically getting a lot of disrespect because baseball writers back in the day really cared about pitching wins. They really cared about it a lot. And they show like how many times Dave Steve was robbed of the Cy Young award probably at least three times, if not four in the wow. early eighties. Um, and it also goes through a number of no hitters that he nearly threw that got into the ninth inning. And, uh, and for one reason or another, he, they go through all the different ones and what happened to each of those no hitters. And you're, and, and I, I was excited cause I had no idea. There's the secret base. Um, Sweet. 
there was there's a um there like he goes through uh they 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 they'll they go through each uh, no hitter and they go through all the different contract negotiations and all this stuff um I, 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 I couldn't tear my eyes off of this Dave Steeb thing. It's a great, I think you would love the Dave Steeb thing, but they have a whole bunch of other things. They'll go through, they go through football plays. They go through obscure football rules. They go through all sorts of different things like that. Tell a good story. But the, uh, the way the Dave Steeb one starts off is they start off with Roy Halliday at, when he was 21 and he's pitching a no hitter and, uh, and he's pitching a no hitter against the Tigers. And uh, Bobby Higginson hits this ball to left field. It goes out, and Roy Halladay loses his no hitter, and he loses a shutout on after eight and two thirds innings. Jeez. Who catches that ball? But Dave Steve out in the <laughs> bullpen. And uh, and he says, "Is it?" And they said, "It's really interesting that he's the one who catches this ball because he's the one who knows more about throwing no hitters than anybody on." Uh, in the world basically and then they talked about the calculations the absurd uh, the absurd odds it would take for dave steeb to have been in the bullpen and to to be in this area to catch that ball at that mm. time um especially since dave steeb had retired in 1993 i believe and was just making a comeback for this one year so oh, there was wow. a lot of different <sighs> things that go into that uh anyway uh, the way they tell these stories is fascinating. I think secret base deserves some, a look from you sports fans and, uh, you can, you will, I don't think you'll be, uh, you know, disappointed in it. So there All you right. go. There you go. I like me some baseball these days. I would like to check mm -hmm. this out. Uh, I bet statistically, and I'm sure this is part of what the channel does, but I bet statistically there's a lot of examples of people who never got the respect they're due. Like if we take the modern statistics, that are much more accurate and apply them back. Uh, we'll find more than just Dave Steed, probably. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. All right. Well, I think it's time for the big, big recommend. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. I'm fine, I'm fine. It's just that you're so big. It's so huge. It's a good rule, but this is bigger than rules. It's bigger on the inside. Is it? I've noticed. 
2001's The Score, Mm -hmm. a movie that Ed Norton claimed he decided to do simply so that he would have his name on a poster with Robert De Niro and Marlon Brando. Um, This was originally offered to Ben Affleck and Michael Douglas. Uh, The Score Mm -hmm. is a movie about a heist of a scepter from the Montreal consulate building um and ed norton is the inside man marlon brando is essentially what you would call him in the the he's the fence i guess he sort of finds the jobs and then sells the stolen shit yeah Um, yeah he's he's sort of a like a guy who hears things and organ he's like the producer uh basically where it's like highest yeah yeah where it's like uh you know hey i know of a thing let's let's get these people together so that they can do the thing so basically yeah yeah so he the movie opens with de niro doing uh, a heist it's a pretty cool scene i think there's very little dialogue um not only after the heist is done, but we see almost his whole bits of travel all the way back to his home. Uh, he lives in Montreal. He owns a jazz club. He has a, a romance with Angela Bassett whenever they're both in town, which is not often. Um, he owns a nice home. He owns a shitty dump of a home. That's his workshop where he figures out how to crack safes and stuff. Um, <clears throat> and Brando pitches him on this heist of a scepter. Says he has an inside man um at the place where it's being held and uh de niro turns him down doesn't want to do it uh doesn't work in his own town lives in montreal doesn't want to piss in his own pool as somebody says later in the film so uh ed norton's character jack gets the bright idea to uh just follow him and then pretend to bump into him on the street in character as brian brian is this um never determined what it is guy with uh, mental disabilities that has endeared himself to uh, the workers of this facility specifically the head janitor uh, comes every night at midnight and helps the head janitor clean uh, and when the, that guy is looking the other way he's casing the joint making maps stealing blueprints copying keys getting ready to steal this scepter that has come in in a piano, uh, an ancient piano, uh, inside the leg. But wouldn't you know it, it had termites. And so mm-hmm. they, had, they had to burn that piano, and he barely, barely, in character, managed to point out and save the scepter. You feel I like have a lot of you... questions about this, Okay, by the way. Okay. I understand that there's termites in the piano, and they had to quarantine it off, and they put a lot of plastic around it and all that. But they the the museum or whatever the conservatory or whatever the hell it is yeah knows there's a scepter in there right or do they not know how does how does he know he had somebody on i think it was max brando's character Mm -hmm. had somebody on the other end put it in the piano and then all this guy had to do was retrieve it i got it see that that was the detail i missed i was like sitting there going like if the museum is getting the scepter or whatever why would they burn the piano down before they got it anyway right. i missed that detail right completely um so they save the scepter he he rescues it but uh they put it in a safe downstairs in a much more restricted area and now the heist is going to be more complicated especially because he's bumping into De Niro on the street which is unprofessional and De Niro gets mad 
And he basically, De Niro goes to Max to complain. <laughs> Ed Norton follows him there um, and starts an argument. And it really gets off on a few wrong feet here. Um, mm-hmm. But ultimately, De Niro is convinced to take the job when uh, Max offers him $6 million of the take which would be enough for De Niro to buy his jazz club outright and get out of the business, which is what he wants to do. And then uh, the heist movie portion of this movie begins uh, and they have to steal some computer codes, but the hacker gets caught. So then they have to (laughs) go to a park and have what I think is a very entertaining exchange with the guy who knows the codes. Mm -hmm. Um, They have to case the consulate to figure out how De Niro is going to get in. Uh, and of course, uh, Ed Norton's job will be to turn off the cameras and the sensors at the right time as De Niro is moving through the cages to steal the scepter. Um, we do have, um, a fun little double cross at the end. Um, and, uh, well, we can talk more about the movie before we get into that. Uh, but having said all that and laid it all out, you never saw this movie, I believe before this episode so what were your impressions of the score it's a it's an interesting uh sort of throwback kind of movie i mean this came out in 2001 but like it i don't know it took me back to that era of of movies 2001 it's very 2001 ish in the way it it presents itself Hmm. it's kind of interesting it i you you know de niro was was hired on well you know de niro was desired to be on this film because of heat and ronin and stuff like that yeah um and uh, it, i find it interesting that they were going to do ben affleck and michael douglas and they ended up getting legendary actors marlon brando robert de niro and then future sort of legend edward norton yeah in all of this um and uh but uh, uh i don't think this m- this movie isn't really demanding of these actors. That's the no. weird thing watching it is like, it's like, wow, that's Marlon Brando. And wow, that's Robert De Niro. But it's not like anybody can play these assholes. Oh yeah. Oh and yeah. De Niro, actually De Niro has, it puts in a lot of his seasoned vet, you know, experience into this. So I think there, I think it probably does need somebody kind of like De Niro who's like super professional and, and is meticulous about everything. In right. This. Um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, uh, but everybody's really good. Except I, Brando's weird. And of course he is in a weird period of time, uh, for Brando. Like Brando is far from his peak, right? He's, this is, this he's, is the last completed film, um, uh, before mm-hmm. he died. And, and yes, I, I glanced at some, trivia about this movie and he was walking around the set naked he <laughs> kept calling frank oz miss piggy or fozzy to the point yeah. where de niro had to direct brando with an earpiece in so frank oz could tell him what to do oh my god he was what uh, a nightmare endlessly pranking de niro with a remote controlled electronic whoopee cushion um it's just yeah he's in a very it reminded me of the stories about island of dr moreau where he wanted Mm -hmm. to take off his hat and have a dolphin fin there Um, yeah yeah and he refused to smile for the last line of the film just wouldn't do it so they digitally altered his mouth to make it look like he smiles up at the corner of his mouth wow Um, just sounds like a really hard guy to work with but i do agree that the movie doesn't ask much of them as actors i think 
Norton is doing most of the work as an actor. I can't see mm-hmm. Ben Affleck in He's, that role. He clearly is. Yeah, uh, he clearly yeah. is. I mean, and Angela Bassett is probably wasted more than any of them. As always, I feel yeah. like. Like, <clears throat> yeah. it, like, the Angela Bassett role over the year, the average one, is usually they put her in a position of power, but then, like, she comes in and yells at people and then and then leaves the scene and then she's never really a part yeah. of the action and this one she's not even really that much of an authority she's just kind of she's kind of a girlfriend she doesn't want de niro to do the robbing and you know and that's and it, it, their relationship is contingent on whether he quits it or not it's classic movie bullshit by the way to have a relationship like theirs and and he is clearly on his last job she clearly doesn't care about him being on these jobs because they're still kind of casual or whatever. Right. But then on his last job in the middle of it being planned and everything, that's when she comes in and says, all right, if you stop doing this, we can be together. Yeah. And it's like, (laughs) like, come on, man. But, um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm always, I'm always upset that Angela Bassett doesn't get a chance to be in on a lot of this stuff. Like, yeah. why don't you make her a partner of some sort? Like why, why can't she be instead of just this, just like, kind of like, I hope you stop doing the stealing. You go, she's the one like keeping an eye on Edward Norton the whole time. And like, tells him like, look, this dude, of course we know that De Niro's experienced enough to know that somebody like Norton is going to double cross him by the end. And that's why he does what he does in this movie. And yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I just thought it was, it was interesting to watch. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I'm, I'm not here to say, man, this is the first time I've come on here aside from leprechaun three and, <laughs> <laughs> and, and ambulance. Uh, and, uh, and, and I didn't like this. I just think it's funny how simple this movie is. Like I'm sitting here going, Oh, okay. Well, so what's, what, how's Edward Norton going to end up like double crossing him at the end? Uh, oh yeah. And he's probably going to not give him the, the real scepter and, and Edward Norton thinks he's won. And, uh, you know, like I'm just yeah. sitting there like, this is what's going to happen. You know, it's like that, that predictable. The only thing that wasn't predictable, I thought for sure that head janitor guy was going to get killed. I oh, thought for yeah. sure. I yeah. was sitting there going, it's like, there's a classic setup where, where Norton's like, all right, time for lunch. And the guy's like, no, no, let's work through lunch so that we can do this later and everything. Yeah. And, uh, and, and Norton finds the way, like spills all that, like, I don't know, ammonia or something all over the floor. And then he has to, for some reason you have to go all the way down to the bottom floor to get all this stuff. And, um, and he's sitting there working on it and he's, he's, he's out of his character throughout this whole thing. And I thought, dude's just going to walk in. Norton's going to not even think about it and blow this dude away. And he doesn't, which is, uh, uh, which is good, I think for the, but it's not really good for his character. He, I mean, he's the only witness. Yeah. To that's all of this. the thing is that, uh, they, now again, I was reading up on this to prep and they actually debated having that character killed that was Mm -hmm. the original plan and then i guess frank oz and somebody else decided that his kindness to brian uh had been enough for norton's character to spare him but i think it could have made a more dramatic beat if he did kill him don't even think about it cold blood boom 
And I feel like that's what his character would have done because he's the hothead coming up to De Niro on the street, bringing a gun mm -hmm. to the park to get the codes. Um, and yeah, that's your only witness. Um, but you know, I do understand why they made that decision. <clears throat> yeah. I even, I even, I even like predicted to the line what was going to happen in that when he was, he was going to kill him. He's about just before he killed him. He was going to say, why didn't you just go to lunch, man? You could have just gone to lunch, you know? <laughs> and, and, and then he, then he, then he shot him. Um, but, uh, but anyway, yeah. Um, I, what I like about a movie like the score and, and I would say most of your, most of your above average, uh, heist movies do this is they show you all the details of the things that they're going to do in the heist and and there's all this like you know meticulous stuff like uh we we go in and we scout the place with his little camera that he puts up through the little grating and everything and and like okay well there's cameras over here and there's like you know this is over here and and uh and like how do we beat that oh it's got this safe here oh this safe is going to be impossible well somebody knows how to break into the safe so and the way they break into the safe is great i think that's a great scene they fill that thing love, with water and blow it up i love how they telegraph because he's on the phone and sees the pressurized canisters of i don't know if it's beer i think it's beer um on the road and he just kind of pauses for a second and then later he shows norton here's what i'm thinking and you don't get to see it and norton goes mm -hmm. is that even possible and he goes it's mm -hmm. just physics and yeah. then when you finally see it all come together and actually mythbusters did an episode on this exact safe cracking method and deemed it plausible mm -hmm. um and and frank oz really wanted everything to be as technical and possible as possible uh, and that's what I like about it. The Oceans movies create technologies that don't exist and just go hog. And I love the Oceans movies. They're fun. But this mm -hmm. kind of a heist, this, another kind of heist is like sleight of hand and whatnot. But this one is more about showing you how a technical, actual robbery like this would go down. Like the thing he has to climb on and him cutting all the little wires. It's mm -hmm. just, it looks like not only a lot of work, but a pain in the ass, if you ask me. Yeah. Um, and I love also how Norton fucks with him. Like he's ready to go and there's no reason to delay. And Norton is just like, oh, I, 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 I got, got company, hang on. And then yeah, just sits yeah. there and just yeah. pipes a little bit and wait. Right. And he hears De Niro going, he's just waiting go, for De Niro. He's just waiting for him to finally give up. And then he's like, yeah. no, 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 you can't, you don't have to give up yet. We're, yep. We got enough time. Um, oh man. I love the Orioles cap, of course on yeah. Norton at the end, Nora, yeah. who I found out uh, is from Baltimore and is a huge oh, really? Orioles fan. And to promote this movie, they he went and took batting practice with the Orioles and they filmed huh. it and it made huh. me extremely jealous. And also the movie, The Heist, which I think is the one with, uh, shit, is that the one with Ed Burns? Oh, just the movie, the David Mamet Heist with yes. Gene Hackman? Yes. Uh, I think that was that 2001. Anyway, it was around that time. They yeah. moved to get away from the score, um, moved to November and ended up making less money than the score anyway. Mm -hmm. um, because, but I don't remember that movie being super similar, just that it was a heist. It obviously. wasn't like the, like heist is your typical David Mamet where, you know, like the score has got a double cross in it. Right. Yeah uh the heist is david mammoth so there are like 50 double crosses <laughs> in the movie 
Yeah. Like that. It, like it's one of those by the end of it, like you're going to be like, I won't be surprised if uh, this person does another double cross at the end, even though there's no moves left to be made. Like they yeah. find a way to do it, you know? Um, so, uh, but yeah, they, they, I mean, I guess you, you, you don't want to come out with two similarly themed, like plot wise yeah. movies close together like that. And, and I, and I get it. It seems, always seems like the one that gets released first gets the most money. Yep. Um, although that, that hasn't always happened. Uh, deep impact did not beat Armageddon, even though they were deep impact was first but mm. um but anyway yeah uh i just i remember when this came out and this you know 2001 was the the weird period of time in my life where i wasn't working in movie theaters uh that much i had quit hollywood 27 in february of that year and throughout all of 2001 was working all sorts of different jobs and stuff so including being in the last castle um and um <laughs> And, uh, and so like, uh, I didn't, I, so a lot of these movies that came out in 2001, I just completely missed. Um, uh, and, and so the score came out and I just remember when it came out going, wow, they got Brando De Niro and Norton in a movie and Frank Oz is directing it. How did that go? Apparently not well, but they did a pretty good <laughs> job uh, given, given the circumstances. So I did think uh, there's a story about, there's a specific scene, um, where uh, De Niro and um, Norton have a conversation about the talent in the choices. Um, and Norton, true to his reputation, wrote that scene. Uh, mm. It seems very hard for him to just act in a movie without getting more involved in other areas uh, <laughs> of the production. But yeah, and De Niro, or not De Niro, uh, Brando improvised a couple lines that weren't in the script that they just went with. Because uh, he was just being an ass, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, like there's there's a line in there where he makes a pretend phone call. He's like, "Oh, operator, we got some nut here who thinks he's gonna get six million. Are you okay?" Mm -hmm. And that was not in the <laughs> script. And so De Niro's like, "Well, what do you mean? Am I okay?" And that was that was a genuine reaction. <clears throat> yeah, I'm looking over in the chat just at a couple of comments that came across. Uh, Sid says Angela Bassett with a horrible wig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, um, uh, Castro says um, Max is the fence. By the way, so I guess that's what they call. Uh, All right. Good. that kind of character yeah I, I it's one of those i looked at the imdb it's like a 6.9 and i'm like yeah that's that's about right yeah that's about right for this movie um uh but uh yeah i i, I really enjoyed this it's it's because it's one of those it's one of those movies you watch I, and i just totally re i just remember totally missing this when it came out and i still had not seen it until like just yesterday Mm. and and uh and going man this is this takes me back to that time in you know these movies like like we would i think if the score were made today they'd have to do all sorts of stuff to make sure the audience is is sitting there awake and alert and everything yep. like let's put let's put 40 double crosses in this and like yeah. you can't trust anybody in this thing you know that type of thing they'd so, make the head janitor the ultimate bad guy somehow oh my <laughs> god i was like I, like if this movie were made today the head janitor's definitely a fucking part of this movie there's no <laughs> doubt about it um, um all right so are we ready for the secret double feature i believe i'm ready for the secret double feature and uh cue the comments suggestions that are already too late let's hear it 
be very, very quiet. Secret? What secret? A dirty little secret. I tell you something I've never told anyone. There are a million heist movies. There are. I could. I even thought about the movie Heist. I thought about the movie Heat because De Niro's in that and has some of the same uh, life questions that he has in this movie. Um, uh, the thing is, and Heat was the leading contender for a while. the The movies are not alike, really. Like Heat and the score are two completely different movies. They are. Heat's more of a, a, a heat is both uh, the uh, you know the not only the perspective of the robbers, but also the perspective of the cops all the way through. There's no cops in the score. There's nobody. I mean, except at the very end, and nobody cares about them. Right. Um. In Heat, we're going. Here's here's Pacino and how his life, uh, is, you know, is, is and how it affects his personal life. And the same thing goes for De Niro and how it and like all these millions of characters. Like there's like a hundred billion actors in Heat. Um, so Heat was had Heat was the front runner, but I was like, man, these movies are just really not the same tonally. Uh, there was a you know, there's a number of uh, like older ones, uh, like Rafifi and the Red Circle and the, and uh, and uh, the Stanley Kubrick one. Um, God, the Stanley Kubrick one. What is that one called? Um, I can't believe I can't think of this movie. Someone's going to name it. Someone's going to name it on the chat and I'm going to feel All stupid. Right. Uh, but, uh, there's a Stanley Kubrick heist movie that, uh, uh, that's really good. Um, and, um, but, uh, those, all those came through it. And I finally said, you know what? Tonally, I think the Thomas crown affair, uh, matches up with the score a lot better. Now there are two different Thomas crown affairs. One's the Steve McQueen. One's a Pierce Brosnan. I'm thinking of the Pierce Brosnan one. Uh, John McTiernan directed it back in 1999, uh, has Rene Russo in it. And it's, it doesn't have a lot of the same things, but, but it has, I think tonally, you know, it's the same and, and Pierce Brosnan, um, you know, he's like, he's a, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, he's stealing a Monet. I haven't seen this in a long time, but he's stealing a Monet in that movie, I believe. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things where they're like painting stuff over the real paintings to make it look like the fake. Uh, it's like a fake painting and yep. all sorts of like stuff like that. She's an insurance investigator and she's getting involved with him romantically during the movie. And, and uh, yeah, it's, I think that goes along with the score better than a lot of these other heist movies um, that uh, that I could have come up with. And I believe, yes, Josh says The Killing is the movie from Stanley Kubrick. Yes, I believe that is the movie that I'm thinking mm-hmm. of. But, but I'm going to go with The Thomas Crown Affair, and I know that you love that movie as well. Oh, and I, think, I love it. <clears throat> and I think it goes along with the score pretty well. I think it's an excellent pick because uh, it's a lighter heist movie but mm-hmm. there's not 50 double crosses. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not as deep and serious as he, I think I said last week that I like to pretend De Niro's character in the score is an alternate version of his character from heat that got mm-hmm. away at the end and got a lot more careful and, and still heisted. Um, <clears throat> no, mm-hmm. uh, Thomas crown affair probably is going to be a big recommend one of these days um, because it's uh fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. It's sexy. There's a lot mm-hmm. of naked. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the the heist stuff is clever. 
without being like, oh, that's cheating. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially <laughs> the reverse heist at the end, because he straight up says uh, to the cops, tomorrow at this time, I'm going to return this painting. Uh, and uh, the way he goes about confusing everybody is freaking hilarious. I mean, it's a mm-hmm. little out there that he hires like, 200 extras but um anyway <laughs> the thomas crown affair is an excellent movie and an excellent pick for a double feature i love it now it's your tr- it's your job to give us homework next week's movie is going to be 1999's go yes yes uh, directed by doug lyman his follow-up to swingers and just before he does the born identity um and uh this movie is 1999 as fuck uh has a lot of uh great actors in it though and it's it's uh it's sort of a it's trying to play off the pulp fiction uh multiple stories told from different perspectives um kind of thing and um i've always found this movie great i've seen it many 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 times but i haven't seen it probably maybe in 10 years yeah it's been a while while. um Um, i remember the last time i saw it uh melissa mccarthy had just become kind of famous because she's in this movie um way before she got famous um and she's a funny little bit as a roommate (laughs) it's Um, great i love her little bit in this but yeah i haven't seen this in probably eight or ten years i love this movie uh i love Mm. all the actors in it i love how crazy some of the stories get um and there's an all-timer of a music hit um in this in this movie uh, during yes. the car chase and mm-hmm. uh, i can't wait to watch it for those of you who want to play along it looks like if you have a premium subscription at hulu amazon prime or sling tv you can watch this for free uh it's on voodoo for 2.99 399 to rent on other major streaming platforms uh mm. and highly highly worth it at that price yes uh but yeah i mean there's a lot of young actors in this that uh they either they go on to either bigger things or i don't know some of them kind of fade out but like sarah polly has become a big acclaimed director since yep. this movie katie holmes is in this you have jay moore you have uh is it scott foley there's a there's two foley's that i or scott wolf it's scott, scott wolf. wolf yeah um timothy oliphant is in this timothy oliphant yes is in this he's t- timothy timothy oliphant is fantastic in this yeah, movie he nearly steals the whole movie i think he nearly does tay diggs is in this Brecken meyer who thinks that he's black in this movie <laughs> is in this um uh just a million different people but uh but yeah i i if you haven't seen go i can't wait to start talking about this one. yeah me too mm-hmm. all right let's do some questions before we say good night i mean happy lunch question question i got something to say i want the truth i am listening i think we've talked about this before but it's worth mentioning again i guess uh what is a bad movie title for a movie you like and what better title would you use? Okay. The movie Rush from mm. Ron Howard. Mm. Uh, the one about, you know, Nikki Lauda and James Hunt stars Chris Hemsworth and uh, and uh, Captain Zemo, whatever his name is. <laughs> um, uh, but, 
yeah, like uh, that movie is fantastic. I think both of us love this movie and it's probably, I think at some point inevitably going to be a big recommend. Yeah. Um, but you know, they asked like what I would call it. And I don't know. I was like torment of the gods or, uh, you know, uh, the, the, you know, like the deadly rivalry of Lauda and hunt yeah, or <clears throat> Thor and Zemo go racing, you know, something like that. Thor and uh, Zemo. <laughs> 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 um, uh, rush is such a, just a simple title. And you know, they tried to, they, you know, they probably wanted to call that something different. And then there was somebody in a studio who was like, no, it needs to fit on the marquee and we've got to make it just one word and it's got to sound fast. So let's make it rush or speed. How about speed? speed. You know? And yeah. And it's like, no, no, no. And now I, now that this movie exists, now I have to distinguish between it and the, and the Jennifer Jason Lee, Jason Patrick movie that came out in 1991 or whatever Which is also good <clears throat> also good yes so you have to go it's like it's like crash right crash has got a david cronenberg version and then there's the you know the the other one the one best picture in 2005 yeah, don't and want to get those confused ever no I promise you no you don't no you don't uh yeah so anyway patrick beat me to it only the brave is my main answer um because it just doesn't communicate anything about that movie whatsoever um and i would have called it grand and mountain hot shots for sure um <laughs> but i also just now thought of a movie a civil action oh yeah duvall and john travolta yeah. and yeah. it's just like your title suggests sitting in court for hours on end like it does that's a very boring title and, and it's not a bad movie i enjoy that film um but yeah, that's just i don't know how a prepared better title uh, except anything but a civil action I would have mm -hmm. the, the fury of the gods would have worked for them <laughs> right right yeah exactly don't drink <laughs> the right. water do we have anybody else over here a piece of fruit in a cup that's nice that's a callback mm -hmm. mm -hmm. yep, oh yep. race of champions maybe for rush yeah yeah i could do i could go with that um apparently uh, i saw someone on a rant about up the other day oh apparently in japan it's called grandpa carl's flying house yeah i like that better than us <laughs> mm. i mean pixar likes their simplicity but uh you know they could have titled that grandpa carl's flying house and it would have made just as much money <clears throat> mm -hmm. and uh jc says only honestly i wish either deep impact or armageddon was called extinction level event yeah yeah oh, not bad can see that you can not, see that or yeah. both of them and that'd be even more confusing yeah it would <clears throat> Uh, is it the extinction level event with Taylioni or the extinction level event with Ben Affleck? <laughs> oh my God. Like I even have to distinguish between the two. Uh, well, let's do another question. What things from movies, TV shows are complete fiction to you? I mean, real world things, not sci-fi things. For example, one night stands, hitting on complete strangers at a bar, being invited to a wedding with a plus one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. What's your answer there? Um, okay. So look, I, I'm going to say this knowing that this is a real thing. Okay. And I don't want to like, you know, reduce anybody's life, you know, and say all oh, that never happens or whatever, but having gone through 12 years of all grades of school and whatever, I was like, I don't know about this open physical bullying I see in every movie. Like, yes, I know it happens. But it seems like every high school and middle school in every movie, doesn't matter what the movie's about, 
has a set of bullies who will go up and just like physically slam you up against a locker for no reason and then and then walk away and i know this happens but god damn it man it's in every single movie so maybe my problem isn't so much that the trope exists but that it just seems like they have to put it in everything and so it's fiction to me because i i mean look I'm six foot four and probably people don't want to fuck around with me. I understand that. And that, but I, and I, but I remember getting, I remember getting mercifully, mercilessly like uh, bullied in other ways, you know, like, you know, your parents or other things like that, but it sure. was always a little bit more subtle than, than the stuff they do in movies. But I didn't remember, I don't remember walking around the halls and like somebody just comes up and like slams somebody up against a locker and walks off. I don't, I've never saw that. Never. I, um, there were fights, but you know, this is a, this is an excellent answer to this question because in my experience as well, except for two years, most all the bullying I ever saw was, was verbal, um, mm -hmm. was teasing. Um, then my last two years of high school, we moved to a much bigger city, um, that had three high schools. Uh, first time I ever saw police officers in the hallways. Um, and my first day I saw that no, they were two friends walking down the hall and one of them shoved the other trying to hit me. And I stepped back and he hit the locker. But even that felt a little more playful, like, Hey, there's a new kid. Let's, let's just shove somebody into him and act like it was an accident. But there was one incident when I was a junior and after lunch, uh, you could go into the gym and do a number of different sports, or you could sit out in this kind of causeway. And they had a little snack shop where you could buy candy and soda pops. And I was walking, mm -hmm. walking away from that. And this dude who was probably six, four, he had, I kid you not gold teeth, um, said, give me 50 cents. And I did because I was a little wimp and I didn't want to get my ass kicked. And I, mm -hmm. I fumbled so much that I dropped it. And we were on a slight incline down to the snack bar. And so one of the quarters rolled like 10 feet and he had to go walk and follow it to pick it up. <laughs> and I felt like that was some sort of justice. Yeah. Um, but even that was verbal. I felt physically threatened, but he didn't just come up to me and hit me. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that's a, a fine answer. I, um, I've never had a one night stand. I feel like those happen a lot in movies and TV shows and people are like, mm. Oh, I regret it. I got my one night stand out of the way. And I never mm. dated anyone where we had a meet cute moment. Like yeah. where there's some sort of magical, perfect alignment of events. Uh, yeah. that is just uh, precious and adorable. In fact, most of my meeting of girls I would go on to date was horribly awkward. Mm. Uh, cringeworthy um but in the movies man that stuff happens all the time <clears throat> yeah yeah um over in the comments uh Ca castro says sex in general yeah yeah <laughs> oh, no. uh, josh says having fun in a strip club that's that's probably true yeah i think actually. that's probably true uh sid says all of the tech in an episode of brooklyn nine nine yes um <laughs> uh well uh, Castro also says, also, I think a lot of people write dialogue for preteens wrong. Yeah. Cause preteens always seem like they're adults, almost the way they talk in these movies. Yeah. Like just a, just a random example, 500 days of summer, like Chloe Grace Moretz in that movie is like a, 
like talking like a full-fledged adult all the way through it it's weird yeah it um, is weird josh says people being out of their jobs or school midday and just hanging out in a cafe uh <laughs> jc says high school parties i know people who allegedly were at some of those but i never saw them um and uh see what else is there uh, i did go to a uh, high school party once and it was it was lame <clears throat> yeah yeah it's usually not the the kind of uh stuff that you see although i heard about a couple of parties when i was uh when i was uh going through high school i was not invited to those parties but uh, i heard a couple of them where people got got kind of crazy um uh it don't connect says high school clicks um mm, yeah mm. i was i'm the same way i i like sort of hung out with a variety of people when i was uh when i was going through high school i had people over here were on the football team people over here were in plays and there were a couple of other people who were nerds and it was just kind of like yeah that's the way it goes and you just had your friend i, I don't remember there being a cheerleader click and you know uh you know that type of thing i don't overlap. remember any of it I think there was a lot of overlap on like that. I was, you know, a nerd because uh, I got good grades, but the, there was a handful of the people in my circle who were really good at sports in addition to getting good grades. And so that was, I was a lot of co-mingling um, between the clicks in my experience, but movies yeah. I think are just trying to exaggerate everything um for but like yeah walking into high school there weren't like oh 10 goths over here 12 hacky sacks <laughs> yeah, over here christians praying <laughs> over here it's just it's not it's like, yeah, it never once saw this ever now <laughs> granted we didn't grow up in california high school so That's for true. all we know the, this was going on in california all the time but god damn man it's so <laughs> weird watching that because you're like what like we never saw that <laughs> Um, right, okay man. well i think that's gonna do it for today um uh once again thank you guys for coming out uh and uh, chatting uh and talking up the score and uh giving the, some good answers to those questions um uh next week's uh, homework is go from mm -hmm. 1999 and i uh, can't wait to talk talk to it uh talk about it uh, with some of you people who have not seen it uh, because you know, yeah, I mean, 1999, some of you, some of you may have been real young when that movie came out. And then when you got to the age where you might want to watch it, you might have felt like you were too old to watch it. So yep. I don't know. It's one of those type of things. But anyway, All uh, right. that's, that's going to be that. Thanks everybody. part of the live show by being a member of the sin club at patreon at patreon.com slash cinema sins chat with us on the cinema sins discord at discord.gg slash cinema sins or cinema sins twitter at cinema sins and email any comments or questions to recotopia at cinema sins.com that's r-e-c-o-t-o-p-i-a at cinema sins.com Entering the studio. I'm here. It's clear. I don't want any more bears. On the Simpsons with the Bear Patrol episode, they uh, they get mad at the bears, and the town storms the mayor's office, and they say, uh, "We're here. It's clear. We don't want any more bears." Because uh, it doesn't rhyme. I don't know that episode. Oh man, yes you do because oh, I hope you do because there's that part in the beginning where. After they spend millions on Bear Patrol and like a B-2 bomber Bear Patrol flies over, Homer says, ah, oh, the Bear Patrol's working perfectly. 
And Lisa says, that's specious reasoning, Dad. And he <laughs> says, thank you. Thank you, Lisa. And she goes, by that logic, I could say that this rock here keeps tigers away. <laughs> and, and Homer goes, hmm, how does it work? And she goes, it, it doesn't, but I don't see any tigers around. And he goes, Lisa, I want to buy your rock. <laughs> So I had to take my sick cat back to the vet again today. Mm -hmm. This was the plan. Mm -hmm. um, so he could get more uh, medicines and fluids all day. And yesterday he cried on the way to the vet because he did not know where, what was happening. Mm -hmm. Today he cried on the way to the vet because he knew exactly what was happening. <laughs> yep. He was not happy. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and uh, it's not fun, man. It's not fun nope. when I... I mean, they are... By evolution, they they make once they get really upset, they make cries that are very similar to a human baby, mm -hmm. and it triggers some kind of pheromone. Not pheromone. It triggers something. Yeah. Um. In a, in a human being, an emotional response, but also one that you can't really control. I hate it. I hate it. Anyway, he'll come. He'll come home tonight. <clears throat> the three cat rip has no problem. I mean, he'll meow occasionally when he when you're in the car, but for the most part, he's like, "Well, guess we're doing this shit again." So he just kind of mm. like <laughs> lies there for the most part, and occasionally will meow and say, "This isn't cool," but he knows there's nothing he can do about it. And then Chester will meow quite a bit, but he's okay with the vet. Domino, who is not scared of anybody and wants to go up and love everybody and whatever, is the worst about going to the vet. Has to, oh, have to sedate man. him every time. Oh, man. Have to sedate him because he cannot take it. It's hard as a pet owner because especially we don't have kids. So, uh, and you're the same. So I, I think our cats are even more part of our family mm -hmm. than for most cat owners. Yeah. And, but you, you have to draw a line somewhere where it just doesn't make sense to spend thousands of dollars for what might be know a little more time mm -hmm. oh man yeah exactly hate it like <clears throat> anyway yeah what's going on with you <laughs> oh nothing much uh it's it, you know speaking of pets like here's a, a thing that's been that had been happening for a while in the last week was that my cats kept dragging a mouse in from outside and and uh a couple of weeks ago, I was, I was, uh, they, they drug one in and it's hard to get, know what to do when they drag one in, because as soon as you go after them, they run up the stairs and they could drop the mouse anywhere at that point. <laughs> um, and this is what happened the first time they drug the mouse in and I went after them and hopefully they drop it then and there, but no Domino runs up the stairs with the mouse in his mouth and gets to the top and then drops the mouse. And now the mouse goes into my bedroom where there's a million places to go to hide. Oh, it, it, he goes behind the little TV stand. He goes behind like, uh, this other stuff. He gets in my closet. I'm like doing all this stuff, trying to, trying to chase this mouse down with the cat's help, of course, cause they've got to do their job. <laughs> but, um eventually he gets into my bathroom and he disappears i was like where the fuck did this mouse go like like he was in he was in my sight he went to where the counters are 
the bat the, the sink is and then just went disappeared and i was like okay he's behind here somewhere but where did he go and i went got down on my knees and looked under there i couldn't really find anything where he could have just gone and then uh i'm like okay i'm not gonna worry about it because if this if this mouse starts running around the cats will go crazy and they'll start chasing him around anyway so uh like all day goes by and and uh i see the cats every once in a while in my bathroom sitting at this one spot and looking but i'm like where could it where could this mouse be in this spot that they're looking it's just nowhere it's like sometimes cats have that weird object permanence thing you take the you take yes. something out of the equation but they still think it's there and and uh they kept looking at that thing all day and i was like well the, the mouse probably is there i mean there's no other place he could have gone so he's probably there it's about one o'clock in the morning oh no the cats have are start chasing that mouse around of course the mouse is sitting there like making his little wee 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 noises and all that stuff and i chase him or i chase this mouse around i'm looking for the best possible way to trap him somewhere where i can grab him and put him outside or something like that because i'm not going to kill a mouse and uh he he gets back into that spot and I and I finally found out there was a hole that he was jumping up into, like on the very far end of the sink, underneath. And he came out again. I don't know. I don't know how the mouse. I don't know how the cats get the mouse to get out, but apparently they can do something to do it because I don't know why the mouse runs out in the first place. <laughs> he runs around. The cats are chasing him around again, and I miss him again. And then I was like, you know what? What am I doing? I need to block <laughs> off the bathroom. I need to block off so he can't get in the bathroom and go into that little spot. I need to block off all the other uh, doors upstairs so that he can't get into those. And then I need to, you know, I got gloves and all this stuff. And finally, this mouse, he gets out into the hallway where just outside this hallway and uh, gets trapped in all the stuff, the block the block the blocker stuff that i have the towels and stuff like that blocking the <clears throat> opening gets caught up in that and i pick him up and he's like wee, 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 you know whatever i put him in this little container and i take him outside and let him run run off and um so no more mouse but that was like five o'clock in the morning by the time that was, Jeez, that was, that was, that was a terrible dude. thing i know some people no problem they just kill the mouse and throw it away and i'm not that i'm not that person I'm not either. We had, I mean, we used glue traps at the movie theater I managed. Yeah. Um, and I had, I had an employee who was a very entertaining personality, mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. but who was sometimes a handful as an employee. Mm -hmm. And they found that while cleaning an auditorium, that the, one of the glue traps had trapped a mouse and the mouse was alive. And he picked up the trap to come show it to me and the mouse bit him oh and then i had to send him to the hospital i had to call in more help and then i had to fill out an accident report and <laughs> corporate and do all this insurance bullshit mm -hmm. he had to get a tetanus or a rabies <laughs> shot and then i had to have a meeting for the whole staff and say don't pick up the mouse traps it was yeah really quite frustrating right i tweeted this week there came out of the, the bedroom and there was a frog in my living room and thankfully my two youngest cats were just too 
confused. Mm-hmm. Like they were like they were like, wow, what is that? Mm-hmm. Oh, it jumps. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. And they were following, but they weren't batting at it or trying to get it. Mm-hmm. And I put a cup over the mouse and slid a little postcard thing under it. My third cat, who used to be an outside cat for years, is looking at me like, have they never seen a frog before? Mm-hmm. What's the deal? Yeah. I take the frog outside and set him on the back patio, and he sits there for like an hour, and I'm guessing he's in a state of shock. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this. I still don't know how that frog got in my house. Yeah, they brought in quite Looking a few cats. things. They brought in two birds. They brought in some mice. There was one time, did I tell you about the possum? They brought a possum. Uh, they brought a freaking dead? possum in. No, it was not dead. Oh, shit. The possum was playing dead, though, when I found it. Oh, that's frightening. I was upstairs doing sin stuff. <laughs> sin stuff. <laughs> the possum was just there pretending to be dead. Now, I knew he was pretending to be dead. Um, And I tried to get him on to, like, a a dustpan and and, uh and tried to get him out before he woke up but that didn't happen he woke up and then he ran around and found spots to hide and all this stuff and blah 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 and finally i i can't remember how i got him but i ended up putting him in something and got him out and i was like god damn it i was reading something on reddit the other day it said somebody invented a thing where you had a where you have a face id for your cats to come into doors so that, i've seen something like that yeah you might need to look into I that i may need to look into that because it it it, it's, it doesn't happen like all the time look i've had the cats for six years yeah and the number of animals they've brought in are still too much but it's only like five or six like you know right. so you know anyway 